This is CliffCentral.com. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> At least know the words. Now congratulate me. Now congratulate me. Congratulate me for making it on this wonderful day in a world of white capitalist monopoly. As a black man, I've made it. Every day is a celebration. Why have you got to bring that into AKA song? Sanman and Nokia, welcome to the show. It is frankly speaking for one hour. Uh, we're with uh, a whole bunch of people in the studio. It's Rorisang Shamalala here, my co-host, my wonderful booty, my, my other half. Mpinjab. You know that uh, I put a photo up of you and I with that baby and a lot of people thought that you and I had had a baby. Well, that were a thing. And I liked that. It felt good for me. Really? I was proud, yeah. Okay. I was proud of the baby. <laughs> You lying to me because you didn't sleep last night. Uh, why are you bringing my business into into the, the airwaves That's how here? We do it. That's I'm how struggling we do it. with insomnia. What must I do? Look, I, it got, was probably excitement about got, today's show. <laughs> I've got a few solutions, but I'm not going to put them on air. <laughs> All right, we are sitting here for one hour with Frankly Speaking. We talk about conversations you want to be speaking about, but never do. You're thinking about, but never speak about. You talk about in your little circles, but never bring it to the table of the public domain. We try to do that, and we want to hear from you as well. Today, we are speaking about... Piled. Piles. Yeah, it's speaking about That's piles. how you're doing this. <laughs> is that what Said kind of things I'm thinking piles. about? I'm is thinking that it? about. Is that it? Oh, geez. You, know, you do not just do that. Is that what you are? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Please introduce the show. <laughs> so, um, of course, uh, we saw the Olympian Wade Fanikak. He won uh, last uh, week um, an incredible gold at the Olympics. And it brought about an incredible thing. I suppose that's all I can call it, a thing on Twitter around colored excellence and the colored narrative. And then what is colored? And there were a lot of conversations about it. Yeah. And people wanting to own coloredness and as and disown it. And, yeah, and yeah. it was incredible. I mean, I, and I, I honestly, you know, this is something that I haven't really given much time to in terms of thought. And, and after that, that whole thing went down, it really opened up something new in me. Um, just listening to people and hearing people and, and, you know, some of the pain that people feel when, when called names and not called names and identified and not identified. So today we're speaking about it. Are colored people black people? That is the question mark. We're going to go into it. It's going to be hectic. It's going to be interesting. Of course, we want to hear from you as well. If you want to hit us up on WeChat at Cliff Central, or you can uh, hit us up on Twitter at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore Levy. We've got some cool guests in studio. They look cool. They are cool. They're Marxists. They're communists. They're socialists. They're capitalists. Dylan, those glasses. Definitely he's a capitalist. Eh? Have you seen those things? That's Gucci stuff right there. I can see it straight away, you know. Uh, he's we're got gonna... more of a Trotsky look going there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it is true. It I is like true. how everybody's putting themselves into boxes already. Like well, we can, we can close the show. What's your box? Me, I'm insomniac. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to be speaking about our colored people, black people. Want to hear from you as well. What are your thoughts? Are you uh, are you in one of these boxes? Do you want to get out of one of these boxes? Um, we're going to be speaking to Karima Brown and Dylan Valley about their thoughts and uh, about what it means to be colored in today's age. Mm, it's, a, it's a very interesting one because... Uh, uh, if you looked, if you followed the conversation after the Wade van Niekerk uh, win and, and, you know, South Africans, predictable, right? Uh, we win a gold, a world record, uh, a, a gold. Uh, we immediately turn it into a, a race issue. Um, and then it goes, it descends down from there. Mm. Um, but if you look at the conversation that happened after that, there was a lot of, so there was a hashtag colored excellence mm-hmm. and, and colored people, uh, some colored people really feeling like this was their moment to celebrate, uh, being colored and the excellence of being colored. Um, but at the same time, there are people who are saying there is no such thing as a colored identity. And there were other people, uh, who mostly were not colored saying, you're, you're not colored. So we were pronouncing. It was mostly black people. We were pronouncing that you are not colored, you're black. Like we have like the divinely, a yeah, divinely uh, anointed right to to define what other people are. You know. <laughs> so so Let's this is a very interesting conversation. I think we should get into it quickly. Mm. Um, Karima, welcome. 
Hi, thank you. What are you so doing much. these days? You just left independent media. You <laughs> well, actually, I, I knew you were going to go there as soon as possible. I knew <laughs> it. I knew it. I haven't left independent yet. Uh, my last working day is the thirty-first of August, so I'm there until then. Um, so. Right now, obviously, I'm having this really interesting conversation with you or hoping to be part of a really interesting conversation. Yeah. So um, after that, I'm going to be um, doing journalism. Oh, um, I think it's a really cool time to be a journalist and um, be part of discussions like this. Yeah. Karima, we, we look forward to you joining Frankly Speaking. That's that's what she's doing next. Oh, okay. Yes, no, yes. that's nice. That's <laughs> I've nice. always spoken frankly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Gets me into trouble. Yeah. Exactly. Karima, uh, Wade Fanica's victory uh, surfaced a lot of seemingly underlying issues in how colored people identify within the South African sociocultural tapestry. Um, what do you think it was? were the underlying things that triggered uh, this, this big conversation that we had within the colored community, within the broader black community as well? Look, I think, I mean, to use kind of um, Congress language uh, for people who are familiar with political traditions in South Africa, um, Congress broadly refers to kind of an ANC um, and an alliance-led um, understanding of defining the problem in South Africa, which... which um, Essentially describes South Africa as a colonialism of a special type with a kind of localized settler community that didn't necessarily uh, have a kind of home country to go to that put down roots here and ex expressed uh, the South African experience in that way, the experience of dispossession. And of course, of of racial classification. Other people call it racial capitalism. Other people call it apartheid colonialism. But for me, that is really the starting point of the conversation. Um, I think we we often not talking about this national question in South Africa, mm. uh, which is whether there is such a thing as being quintessentially South African. And what underlies or goes into that melting pot that makes us, um, you know, quintessentially South African and whether that is even a thing, whether yeah. we should be searching for it. And so I think one must locate the discussion around identity and um, people um, wanting to be more than one thing which is essentially how I see the debate and how I located myself in the debate. It's the right to um, own um, all parts of me, to water all my roots and to identify with everything that I am um, and for it to be more than one thing and to, to be rendered complex and to be an autonomous person and to, to not be policed about who and how I felt about myself. And and for me, that was really, I think, um, what was underpinning the debate. Um, and let me just say, um, in as much as Wade was kind of that moment that gave other people <laughs> an insight into this discussion, this is not a new discussion, guys. Mm. We've been having this discussion yeah. <clears throat> for a very long time. Dylan, I'm interested to hear your thoughts uh, as a cinematographer, as a director, as a film producer, as a creative. What, what, I mean, do you feel similar to Karima or is, is it, are you very proudly a specific thing? Um, I would say I've got very similar views to Karima as well. I mean, I come from a background where my parents were also in the ANC and so we, we were raised with, with this idea of, around black consciousness, you know. So I come with this idea of like, more of like a, also a Biko understanding of what it means to be black so that even when you're colored, you can be black. And so that black is actually a state of mind, which is uh, something that Biko also wrote. It's, it's not about your pigmentation necessarily, but it's actually um, how you identify with the world. And actually, uh, for a colored person to identify as black, what you're doing essentially is you identifying with the black experience and also you it's an act of solidarity. Um, the black experience is an interesting one because I think one of the things that I'm fascinated by is this idea that the colored narrative is 
probably the biggest example of how bad apartheid was because they grouped a whole bunch of people that potentially might have kind of looked the same, come from very different backgrounds, and then just gone, right, you're all that, cheers, goodbye, see you around, and you get these kind of rights. And I mean, that that must have caused problems because if you come from... Uh, I mean, I don't know if you know your heritages or any anything like that, but if you come from a Khoisan background compared to a, a Malaysian background or Indonesian background and you were brought here through slavery, it's, it is quite complex to just be like, well, now you're just one thing and you must all just be, you know, you all have that accent, you know, and you all come from Cape Town, you know? I mean, is that like... is that Does that drive some kind of the identity issues within this, this narrative? Well, I think, yes... Um I think a lot of um, hybrid communities, not just in South Africa, but the world over, is testimony to the fact that race is, in fact, a construct. Mm. Um, what Break that down for you. What do you mean by race is a construct? I want to I understand that. There is no such thing as um, purity in anything. You're not a pure Kosa. You're not or anything. I mean, mm, what mm. was really interesting for me was the way in which a lot of people identifying themselves as black and African was trying to tell uh, people like myself that if I call myself colored, that I'm somehow not owning my blackness is such bullshit. Um, sorry, there I broke my first rule. I said I wasn't going to swear. <laughs> oh, come um, on. It was only 15 minutes into the show, for heaven's sake. Okay, I'm, I'm putting no, I'm money into it's the perfect. swear jar. It's okay. But what, what is really interesting for me is um, you were talking about um, identifying with the Koi. Um, what is really interesting is that a lot of people from the Eastern Cape um, – um, do not who, who see themselves as as, as proudly Kosa don't want to acknowledge the sun and the koi input into who they are as a people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I must tell you, I was a I was a youngster when I joined the Release Mandela campaign, um, and I was a, a youth activist. Um, I was also in the ANC underground structures, so the we were involved in a lot of um, campaigns to have Nelson Mandela released. The night before he was released, we were running around trying to get a picture of him, but not an old picture, like a young picture. So we couldn't imagine what he was, what he looked like because we had never seen him. Mm. And when he, when we saw him on the parade that day and when we, we first saw him, the first thing everyone said is, Oh my God, he looks, he looks Khoisan. And of course, like people were like, no, 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 he is not Khoisan. He's, you know, he is Kosa. Purebred Kosa. And exactly. Yeah. And so there, just there, you get that fault line about how ridiculous um, the whole notion of race actually is. But when you say that, at the same time, you can't ignore the lived realities of South Africans. Apartheid spatial planning um, zoned this country in a particular way. We yeah. have an entire transport, irrational transport network that places black people hundreds of miles away from their workplace. So mm. much so that they spend something like 60% of their salaries, the mm. average worker, to get to mm. and from work. Mm. Um, we used to have comrades that used to have to literally supposedly go through four countries to get to Joburg. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. So, those realities are real and mm. people have had experiences. So um, there is complexity to the colored experience and there's nothing wrong in my view um, about owning that complexity. I hate the fact that because I come from Cape Town, people think that I am the same as a person coming from Durban who lives in um, a particular area or in nuclear mm. in Johannesburg. In fact, my first time in a public hospital, um, someone asked me if I was Chinese. Wow. And that's probably because, you know, my ancestors do come from Malaysia because they were Muslim yeah. slaves who were brought to the Cape. No, but um, that person was also blind. As well. Yeah, so, well. I mean, fair enough. Right? Yeah. But, but let, let's bring, <laughs> let's bring Dylan in on this. Uh, Dylan, you're a filmmaker, you're a storyteller. Um, and, and culture is, act, is, is mostly just the, the collection woven together by the stories of people. What are the common stories? Um, um, Karima speaks about lived experiences. What are the common stories that have led to us believing 
that uh, colored the, the colored nation is a homogenous group of people what what are those shared stories that uh, have everyone believing that this is now a common a common uh, a homogenous group of people well i think you know there are some shared stories i think it has more to do with kind of like this idea of hybridity that you mm-hmm. live um, like karim was saying like you could be from completely different parts of the country but people might think that you are, you know, the same, like you have some kind of unified culture, that kind of thing. But I think the thing that maybe would unify people is a sense of fluidness, hybridity, or, you know, and I, and I think that exists within different communities. Though. Um, but at the same time, within colored communities, you have people who, like, say, for example, Karim was saying, you, you know, you have people who look Chinese, you have mm. people who look black, you have people that look white sometimes, you know. And this is, this is maybe uh, this kind of like cultural mix that comes about and also, like, different kinds of fluidity, even gender fluidity at times, um, which is quite interesting in colored communities. There's always, like, a gay uncle. Yes. And, and that kind <laughs> of thing. Combined smoking. So. A bustatiti. So this is oh this all this. That's, that's a, a few more coins into the swear jar because that is very close. <laughs> So, so you see, so it's, like, it's more about that kind of thing. I don't think there are these kind of like uh, monolithic colored stories yes. that we can tell. Um, I think that's kind of um, it's kind of dangerous to start thinking in those mm. ways. Mm. So, so how did this how did this uh, come about then? Um, you know, if uh, if any comedian wants to 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 try and give you a st- stereotypical colored identity, you know, he's going to go for the teeth, he's going to mm. go for the accent, yeah, um, yeah. and and the, the violent. It's always the violent woman, um, you know. You know, uh, so so you know, you know, you know the Trevor Noah joke. Uh, so it's it's those are stereotypes that have come that have have come to to be associated with colored people. Where do they come from? Um, you have profiled the lives and lived experiences of colored people. Uh, where have they come from, and, and is that how colored people see themselves, or is that just an external looking in type of identity? Well, you know, stereotypes always exist. Uh, this is what something that the uh, author or the academic Stuart Hall wrote about it. That Stuart, sorry, stereotypes they exist in a position where there's a situation in society where there's some kind of deep inequality. Mm. So that's where stereotypes always come from in different, you know, societies around the world. Mm. And it's no different in South Africa. I mean, the reason why these stereotypes are kind of, they keep continuing is because of this uh, kind of representation and who owns representation, right? So like, so even though you, you might have people with no front teeth, the re- uh, why is it that this is kind of like the, mm. the repeated image that we get? And that's yeah. because of like, kind of like who owns the media, what kind of images are useful for them in terms of the way that they understand a particular group of people and keeping them in a particular kind of position, you know? Mm. And, and I think in that way, people also start to internalize these images as well because it's the only way that they, um, they ever see themselves. So even when you do something positive, sometimes people will laugh at it or that kind of thing because they, they go like, oh, okay, this is, it's our turn to laugh now at ourselves. Mm. And that's, that's only when, often when they only get to see themselves when they, when it's when time they to have laugh. to laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> So Andrew earlier spoke about uh, the different groupings within the colored community, what we refer to as the colored community, um, spoke about the Cape Malay, the Griquas, the Koi, the San, and so on. What are the key distinctions, um, and to, to the both of you, that you would say uh, characterize the different groupings that, that are – because it's, it's, they're, they're, you're more – Pigmentation-wise, very similar, but uh, socially and culturally, there might be very clear distinctions. Which, what are the clear distinctions that you've identified that 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 could emphasize the fact that we are not a homogenous group of people? We actually, because this is this seemed to be at the heart of some of the tweets and so on that were coming through, being taken for granted, painted with the same brush and so on, and not being appreciated for who and what we are. So I think I let Karima take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for starters, I can't tell you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what distinguishes people uh, from each other um, mm. in what is the colored nation. I don't think there's such a thing as a colored nation. Yes. I mean, that uh, uh, concept is problematic for me yes. to mm. begin with. Um, I think um, the point about being hybrid um, about the fluidity, um, having an insider-outsider experience constantly, um, 
and also within that having agency to self-identify and to choose what it is that you stand in solidarity with, what you choose to oppose, um, how you choose to um, uh, be a South African um, and be uh, part of a, an African and global narrative is really, really important. Um, I can tell you about where I come from, mm. but I certainly can't tell you uh, where other people who call themselves colored come from and what makes me different from them. All mm. I can tell you is that um, if one accepts that you can be uh, Kosa or Pedi or Isizulu or Setswana and be black and be African, why can't you be colored, uptight, middle class, English speaking, have gone to SP, sorry SP guys, <laughs> South Peninsula, um, and, and UCT and, and speak like you live in Australia mm. and, um, call yourself colored, um, and at the same time have a cousin who, uh, is perhaps from, uh, Tofimbaba in the Eastern Cape, mm. um, because that's just how your family Mm, looks mm, like mm, you yeah, know mm. and i think that is for me what is really important about this conversation i don't want to be policed i don't want to be told who i am and i don't want to be told what i can and can't claim as mine Your mm. identity, yeah. um i think the fact that we have as south africans um taken um the boxes that we've been put in and said Know that we are actually autonomous, that we have agency, that we can bring about change and we can own who we are is, is, is for me the, the important issue here. Mm. I really cannot tell you, um, the, um, I don't like being anthropologic, uh, uh, and to be looked at as an anthropological experiment. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is essentially what your question was mm -hmm. going for mm -hmm. is to anthropologically tell me how, if you're coming from the Eastern Cape and you grew up in a color township there, how you're different mm -hmm. if you were growing up in Manenberg mm -hmm. or in nuclear in, you know, mm. fuck, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm interested, I'm interested more, um, <clears throat> you, you're right. And I think it's fascinating to think that South Africa even defines colored as something that it is, you know, I, because the rest of the world, right? How would you be seen in the rest of the world? If you were in the States right now, what would you be? You wouldn't be colored, right? You'd be black, surely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question here. We've kind of, come up with this idea that there's another here so i'm interested to hear you know this this thing that's happening with mixed race specifically in south africa where and it's and it's and it's the common one is black and white and then you have a mixed race child um born post-democracy and they are vehemently not colored and they are mixed race but i mean the story of the colored box in South Africa is quite mixed race, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think that, that in particular has a, it's slightly different because of how colored came about, mm. you know, when the, the, the powers that be kind of drew up these, these national identities and also that you kind of separated and you, the group areas act actually separates you according, according to those lines. And now when you have uh, like kind of, you know, one black parent and one white parent, it's slightly different in the ways that people seem to be identifying. So I know people who say they be uh, have a Jewish parent and a and a Swati parent, for example. And so they don't necessarily see themselves as colored because they don't they didn't grow up in a colored community and they you know, they don't have any colored parents. And then Trevor Noah actually has this like this joke where he was, like, he was interviewed um in America when he just moved there. It's like, you know, like why are you coming to America? Because, you know, the empire is crumbling. You should have stayed in Africa. You know, things are better there. And he was saying, well, you know, I just really wanted to be black. And finally, you know, like now that I'm here, I'm black, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, which, which I found, I found that really interesting, you know. I also, being in America, I studied there for a year. And, and also people, when they heard I was from South Africa, they, they called me black and they assumed that I was black. Mm. And in a way, it was like a relief to just kind of, you know, almost like just have this... Uh, 
box, this neater box that I could take and kind of be free of the, this kind of mm. ambiguity around mm. being colored. Mm. Um, but I think that uh, at the same time, we just have to know that, you know, you can be all these things at the same time. So, like, the, the interesting thing that you mentioned with, like, kind of having, like, a white parent or black parent is that the people, like Karima says, like, self-determination, the people who are in those positions, they have to actually say for themselves, you know, this is who I am. And this is so what I think people haven't given Wade Van Nickak the opportunity to do yet is to actually say, okay, this is actually how I see myself. Mm. Instead, we kind of... Or do I even want to have this conversation mm. at yeah, all? Yeah, because yeah. Because it's exactly. important to you, now you're imposing it on me, and now I must all of a sudden make a decision that I don't feel like making. Yeah, exactly. Like, why should he have to yeah. account for that in this in this particular moment? You know? Let's bring in a, another another voice on this. Uh, Lionel Edendorf, uh, he is a former journalist and a member of the Western Cape Executive mm. of the ANC, wrote a powerful article in Independent Online saying, there's no such thing as a colored identity. Morning, Lionel. Good morning, Rory. Lionel, you, you, you were very strong in this article, just uh, dispelling this idea of a colored identity and in fact saying that uh, those that subscribe to uh, what they refer to as a colored identity uh, are, still, are still shackled by the chains of apartheid. What, what did you mean by that? Really, because um, the term colored or the collective name for different ethnic groups, um, just like black and or African and white, for instance, is an apartheid construct. Mm. And um, it was the 1950s um, Population Registration Act that actually gave name gave the name colored to everything and anything that was not African or black or and um, white. So, mm. and in the process, um, the Nama lost. Their Namanus, um, the Griqua, um, lost their Griquanus. The Cape Malay, from which both my grandfathers, um, are descendants, um, lost their Cape Malayness. And, um, and that is why I said that, um, there is no such a thing as a colored, um, identity, you know. Mm. It is you as a person who associates yourself with that community should rather go and determine and self-explore what makes you then colored. Mm. And it's a debate that people do not really want to have. My wife, for instance, is Tosa, and I have a nine-year-old son. And he asked me one day, but mommy is Tosa, and you are then um, a descendant of the Cape Malay with both your grandmothers then a descendant of the, um, of the Khoisan. What am I then? And I said, boy, if you take a half a glass of Coke and a half a glass of Fanta and you mix it, you do not have a full glass of Coke or a full glass of Fanta. But you at least know what makes this, what is, what is in the glass, mm. you know. And I think it is important that people know what they are. My wife, for instance, she is not African. She is, she is not because she is African. She is African because she is Kosa. Mm. And that is what I think um, people who consider themselves um, part of this colored community need to decide and determine what is it really that makes me colored, and that is then what should be celebrated. I'm just interested, <clears throat> Lionel, and, and you bring up a good point, and I want to bring in our guests in studio here as well to, to comment on this. Let's agree that, that it was a social construct by the apartheid government that brought about this, this colored kind of space, but then because of where colored people then had to move to and they had to live together. And then they brought up their own traditions and cultures. And, and as you said, a mixed race person isn't the same as a colored person because they haven't been living in a colored community. Surely then that then starts to bring up a new kind of or newfound culture of some sort. I'm not saying that every colored person now needs to be part of that culture. No, but I'm saying that if you lived in the Cape Flats, for example, there'll be a cultural thing that some, a colored person in Durban won't know about. But there is still a culture there, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think that Lionel makes a perfect argument against his own uh, position. Um, Contradictory. <laughs> oh, I want to hear this. Okay, Karima. I mean, I think that lived experience is really important because we're talking about um, communities that um, had to um, survive, struggle together together. Um, be in solidarity with each other, fight yes. with each other, fight over resources with mm. each other. Um, people who on a daily basis uh, lived in a 
community that was defined as colored by the then uh, powers that be, but left their home, determined to be a white person in work because it meant being the receptionist and earning more money than the tea lady. Um, and every day denying who they were when they came home. Um, I had teachers like that, for example. Um, um, I had neighbors um, who was my Muna at home and Mona at work because it meant um, yeah. being um, economically able uh, to, to, to move. Lionel should know that the Many of the Khrutbums are actually Kumalos because, yes. you know, yeah. it was better um, to be tim, a Khrutbum. Exactly. Mm. You know, the Malchasas, um, mm. and so on. So we can't take our, away from, um, people the reaction to an imposition, yeah. um, which was, um, state engineering, um, and state, um, um, how shall I say, almost maneuvering, yes, to try and, um, uh, you know, create, if you like, um, um, as some mad apartheid scientists would want to do, um, an idea of what constitutes a people, you know. Um, and so I grew up in um, that time. I grew up, I was a youngster in 1985. I was at UWC. I came from Mitchell's Plain. I grew up um, in my family home was in Claremont, uh, Harfield Village, which was declared a, a white area. Um, before that, I, I was in Salt River. My mom worked in a factory there, a clothing factory. So you can see why I call myself all these things today because mm. it's my lived experience. And I'm not going to have Lionel tell me mm. that because uh, Favut said that I was colored – and that my experience of living in Harfield Village and believing that the Gruperius Act was a person because on a Monday morning, an apartheid official in a safari suit came and people shouted, you call me group, you call me group, mm. um, that that's not real and mm. that I can't own that. Mm. Um, mm. And for me, that is not um, succumbing to Favut. In fact, it is making damn sure every day that everyone in my family understands um, that – Ours is a history of dispossession mm. um, yeah. and of struggle. And it also means that when I go to my family functions, that I must have uncomfortable conversations with my racist relatives who um, would, many of them who are Muslim, who would identify with the struggle in Palestine, but who oh, would still okay. use the K-word mm. and let their um, maids go and use the toilet at the garage. I need to be having those conversations. And mm. I can tell you, our family gatherings aren't uh, without those um, contradictions. Mm. And so, yes, I water all my roots mm. and I claim the sum total of all my parts. Mm. I'm not going That's to be really told what I can and can't be because my experience is um, a particular thing. We we are complex. We are hybrid. We are fluid. We are insiders whilst we are outsiders. And I think that that is something to be embraced. Lionel? I'm certainly not asking for people to deny um, who they are or the influences of, of apartheid or um, what um, this guy in the gray suit has done um, to people who associate um, with the colored community. All I am saying is that it was, a, it was apartheid engineering. It was apartheid that makes us feel the way we do about many things. It is apartheid that makes us look down on even um, the Khoisan um, relatives that and praise the Indian relatives that we have. That's what happens in our communities. And that is why I think that it is this exercise of self-exploration should hold some benefit to people of, who consider themselves colored. And that is why it is for me easy to align myself with who, with what I really am because I have made that discovery. That is why I said it is time that parents should have the talk again with their kids about where they really come from what is it that their mothers were? And yes, you are right that you're explaining it very, very well um, how and illustrate to us how the struggles of um, apartheid and even democracy have fused and made us to feel the way we do and think the way we do about certain things. But the point is that before 1950, the Population Registration Act, there was no color. There was no such a thing as a color. 
There was hybrid. There was no such yes. a thing as a pure race but anywhere. If you looked at places like Kensington, where people lived in mixed communities like they do now, um, you know, today people can buy their non-racialism. Uh, they can bind their gated communities and in their private schools. Um, but if you're going to Blickistorp and you're going to Delft and you're going to um, communities that are really on the margins of society, you will see that hybridity. You will see that yep. um, inter-connection um, uh, between communities and the fact that people that generally that. don't stick to their land. This, that, that The idea that you could socially engineer separating people, it's just ridiculous. I, I mean, I human experience to, all over I the world be, defies that notion. Guys, l- let me come in here then. Why in the world then... Is this happening? So, so if 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 we don't stick in our lanes, if this is actually a thing to be embraced, um, why is it such a source of tension? Dylan speaks about this ambiguity. Uh, because it's tied to inequality. That yes. is why it's mm-hmm. a, it's about the struggle for resources. Mm. I mean, beca- yes. uh, if you if you if you look at what is happening in a place like the Western Cape. Um, if you take a, 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 an ANC branch, and Lionel, you can speak about this. You talk about the <laughs> tensions in the ANC when you're having yes. an election campaign. Mm. And you say, but we've got 50,000 rand. I'm not going to give money for posters in Mitchellsburg because we're going to lose there anyway. The colleagues yeah. are going to vote for the DA. I'm going to put my posters in Googs, and I'm going to focus on those youngsters that we need to convince that the ANC is still the party of choice and they shouldn't go to the DA um, uh, because, you know, they they – uh, they don't identify with uh, Jacob Zuma. Um, mm. That's the conversations that are happening in the ANC, uh, who professes to be a non-racial organization, who, 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 who wants to do what Lionel is, is, is saying, that we don't see uh, 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 race, that mm. we don't, um, we shouldn't adopt these uh, things that uh, apartheid has put on us. That's the conversation that they're having. Um, and the reason why I can tell you that is because my relatives are right there having that conversation. Lionel. So that is why this is a thing. Yeah. Because it but is also about resources. Um, let me give you an example. When I go to Cape Town for work, um, I, uh, we use a, a, a taxi service. So I had a taxi driver recently saying to me, um, you a journalist, eh? So I said, yeah. So he said, where can I go? I've got a problem. And I, and I asked him, what's his problem? And he said, I want to go to someone who can tell me what we can do about these bloody Somalis. I mean, they like ripping our people off, you know, they, they charging so much for a loaf of bread and they overcharging and so on. So I said, so, so what exactly is it that you want to go and complain about, you know? So he said, I want to complain about them. So I said, so is it the fact that they're ripping people off? Um, are they the only people ripping people off? Um, have you checked, uh, checkers? Have you, do you know that the bread companies, cl- you know, collude <clears throat> to fix the price of bread. Um, and he said, what do you mean? And I kind of took him through the whole thing. And I said, so, so why are you picking on the Somalis? Why, why aren't you raising the issue of the fact that poor people are generally being exploited by everyone who runs a business because it means more money for them? Um, and he said, yo, ik het nog al die You know? <laughs> so yeah. my point is that it's easy to um, invoke an imagined community like the apartheid architects wanted to when you want to divide people and when you want to put people against each other because there are no resources. Um, we've got the, the lovely triple challenge, inequality, poverty, joblessness. Mm. Um, that is like a recipe for um, saying to people, particularly working class, marginalized communities that you are not the same, that your enemy is not the same, that focus on that which divides you, focus on the fact that you speak um, this particular type of Afrikaans um, and you speak um, this particular type of Klosa because you're in Kailicha and you're not in, 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 in the Eastern Cape. Karima. And I think that let's, we need to begin get, to um, let's let's get. Uh, can I finish? Then. Sorry, guys. There are five <laughs> males on the line. I'm the one oh, female. I'm like, can you see what happens, dude? Can you see what happens if you have an Olympiad of 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 marginalisation here? So I'm pulling rank. So can I finish my sentence? Thanks. Um, my point that I wanted to make is the fact that 
the reason why people are having this conversation is because of the fact that we are a deeply unequal society. In fact, some say one of the most unequal in the world. So it's unsurprising yeah. that political powers, whether they were the then apartheid regime or the current um, political elite um, um, who wants to use um, racial constructs to explain behavior and to um, to 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 put people in particular boxes. Let me just give you an example. There was a, a, a Facebook post of a, a, an ANC chap, Shafanikar, who's from Limpopo. I hope you're listening, Shal. You see, he mentioned two um, areas in Limpopo where the mayors are white, and and he said, "I never thought this would happen." My understanding has always been yeah. that the ANC has never been anti-white, yeah. that we were anti-system. So why is it a problem that a mayor is white? Um, and then he has a picture of Biko on as his, his status update. Now, for me, that is the ANC bullshitting with the concept of the struggle against racial oppression because but it Rory, lost the – sorry, can I finish? Um, because for me, that is, in fact, contrary to what – my understanding of ANC policy is, um, how can you, you have a problem with, with a white mayor on the basis of the fact that that person is white? If you're in the African National Congress, if your hero yeah. is Agreed. Joe Slovo and Ruth First. Lionel, yeah. uh, we, yeah, we're gonna have I, to I, let I you go shortly. So I'd like, I'd love for you to respond, this. but also I just to, to this. yeah. I don't need to say that. I, uh, <laughs> I am um, on the ANC executive, and I certainly wasn't invited here to defend the ANC. Some of the things that um, uh, Karima is saying, I even agree with. I am I'm writing it because of who I am. I'm writing it as a father who needs to explain it to his two kids. I'm writing it, I, I wrote it as a descendant of the Cape Slaves and of um, the, the Khoisan. And that is why I wrote it. And my argument was basically... And it was um, some of the accusations that um, Karima is making. I think offensive, but I think we can take it um, up um, personally. But the point here is that before, 19, uh, before 1950, people were who they really were. And that is the issue for me. And I am just saying that people should get back to what they were before 1950. Before they actually made them what they were. And I also want to say this, that yes, Karima is absolutely um, accurate in how she describes it. But the other thing is also that many people in a rural Western Cape think much different about things. Even people in the Northern Cape, let's talk about the ANC than in the Northern Cape. But now, in the, um, in, uh, the West Coast of the Northern Cape, they support the ANC because why? We must go and understand what makes them so loyal to the ANC. You must go and see what this national government has done to conserve their legacy and their heritage in the Northern Cape. What has been, what has been done to make sure that they feel welcome to, so that they can feel African, so that they can essentially be what they are. Many people deny what makes them colored and rather hop onto and jump onto this colored wagon. I so consider it late. I so consider it Responsible, and I do wish for a stage where, or for a stage where we will be proud of what make us color, instead of just grabbing onto a colored notion and identity that does not exist. Lionel, thank you so much. Uh, I think we're going to have to actually create this is a series, Andrew. Um, Lionel, we, we're definitely going to have you back. I think there's a conversation that needs to be furthered uh, rather than curtailed. We are running out of time, though. But Lionel, thank you so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Gee, so uh, the 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 let, let's call them. I'm so scared of Karima now because I'm going to say the older generation have had their say. Uh, what does Dylan say? And then I know I'm going to have broken some rule. <laughs> so. Rory, you're a walking nightmare. I'm just so glad you're black, dog. Because if you were white, you'd be in such trouble. Yeah. All right, Dylan. So 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 um, Lionel speaks about uh, half Coke, half Fanta. You know. Doesn't make you the full thing. There's a big argument going here about the contradiction in what Lionel is saying. Karima is saying, I am anything I want to be. You're saying this ambiguity is just uncomfortable. So the question is then, what are you? Who, what do you become in all of this uh, when there are all of these competing ideas around your own identity? Well, I think we need to, you know, get comfortable with the idea that people can be more than one thing. Do you know what I mean? So I think I think we have to move away from these kind of 
um, these unuseful dichotomies. And I think also what Karima was saying is, uh, you know, kind of is really useful in terms of this kind of a lot of it is struggle over resources. A lot of it is kind of if you you can buy non-racism. So if you get to like a certain middle classness, like myself, went to UCT and so on, and, and it's a lot easier for us to kind of say, oh, we, you know, we just see ourselves as black and nothing else, and we, we're going to divorce ourselves from coloredness completely. But if you go to the Cape Flats, people are still forced to live in those areas because they don't really have um, an, another choice. So we have to also be mindful of, we have to be empathetic as well. I think empathy is really important in these conversations, understanding where people are coming from. The other thing I would say is from my point of view is that a lot of times when you resist uh, certain words and labels and you fight against them, they can actually hold more power over you. Mm. So if somebody tells me I'm colored and I fight them about it, it's going to, it's going to drain me for the rest of the day, probably the rest of the week. And I, if I have to say like, no, I'm not colored and this is why. This is why. Instead, I could say like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I can see why you call me colored. And yes, and I, I am colored for these reasons, but I'm also black and I'm also these other things. And I also have, say, like a Sutu great grandfather and so, and so, and so on. And this is, this is kind of like a much more useful way, I think, for, for colored people to approach these things and to, to necessarily like, um, kind of fight against a word. Cause in that way, they can really wear you out and, I've been tired for for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I hear so, you. Let, yeah. Let's just bring everyone back in here. If uh, if you've joined the show, uh, we're speaking. Are coloured people black people? We have some incredible voices on the line in studio. Um, if you want to comment, please do on Cliff Central's WeChat and uh, also on uh, Twitter, Rory Shabalala or Yebo underscore Levy. Um, we haven't taken many discussions, but here's one um, to the next point that we want to speak about, Karima. And you mentioned it just shortly uh, before we got into this where you said I have worked so this is from Temba Njua uh, Temba Yena Tem- oh Temba Yena what's that Temba Yena that's a line is, oh is that a line I thought that was an <laughs> L I was like where is that okay Temba Yena says I've worked with Indians and coloreds they only identify as black when it works for them but mostly see themselves <laughs> as white uh, fuck this race shit SA is so stuck <laughs> on race um, <clears throat> you Karima spoke about when you get together with your, your relatives and um, predominantly Muslim, that doesn't matter. They identify with Palestine, but still use the K-word, but still tell the domestic workers to go outside to use the toilet. There's a deep racism within... I mean, no, let me not say that. Is there a deep racism within the colored, put in inverted commas, colored community versus black people? Why? How does that work? What happened there? Um, I've definitely seen and observed a few instances, specifically in Cape Town, funny enough, where I, 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 w- I was almost blown away, you know, by the racist remarks coming from colored gentlemen and, and colored women. And, and that's not to say that that then represents all colored people. But there definitely seems to be a, a trace of that. Uh, dude, where have you been living? We in South Africa. <laughs> no, but why <laughs> we're are all like racist. We no, we're all to, racist. But they're, they're to, to, to try and um, kind of, um, you know, uh, scapegoat Cape Town coloreds as being particularly racist is just downright ridiculous. No, not particularly um, racist. That's not what no, I'm saying, Karima. Uh, hold on. What I'm what, what I'm saying is that yes, there are um, there's there's a lot of racism within all our communities, and mm-hmm. certainly in my family, uh, which ex- which identify some of them identify as colored others identify as colored and black and african mm-hmm. and of course uh, from a faith point of view they believe they are muslim and they'd like to believe they have non-ethnic notions of themselves as muslims but in the south african context they they don't see themselves as black mm-hmm. um my son always reminds me he says you call yourself black have you asked auntie so and so if she thinks she's black she doesn't think she's black and he agrees with 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 um the caller um, and so it comes back to the issue around um, economic um, position and stratification in society. Um, at the base of all societies is, is, is class. It's a huge fissure. And what is really interesting for me is the kind of national content of that class struggle that manifests in South Africa and the class content 
of that struggle around seeking identity and what we call the national question. And for me, it's the dialectic of those two that informs my understanding of why I call myself hybrid and how I explain that in communities that have also been dispossessed, that have also been marginalized, you can find bigotry and racism. But guys, are we, are we denying before the show, Karima, we spoke to you and spoke about the division of the oppressed and we can't deny that because of the racist, the past and the laws that existed, uh, colored people were put uh, a notch above uh, black people. Um, and that has created a, a very interesting relationship uh, between between black and colored. Uh, mm. And that relationship is, is, is quite interesting. And, and I'm keen to hear, especially having been in the movement yourself and, and Dylan as well through your experiences, because at, at on one level, we united to fight against apartheid as one. Uh, but on the other hand, we still struggle to see ourselves as one in different contexts. Uh, so, so it can't be denied, can it? No, it's, of course it can't. I think it will be completely ahistoric. That was the point I was trying to make to Lionel earlier. The fact that um, in the Western Cape you had a, 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 an act that um, encouraged um, uh, white um, uh, business people to hire coloreds over everyone else um, is is a reality. You can't get away from that. Um, let me give you a typical example. The struggle for housing is a very real one amongst many communities. So in um, traditional Cape Flats uh, uh, townships, you had what was called a waiting list. So you were put on a waiting list for when you were going to get a house. Okay, And so, of course, now you have a democratic government that needs to look at um, communities across the board. Um, so you find yourself having to explain to a community that says, yes, but I've been on the waiting list for 20 years. And then you have to tell someone, you actually had a list. There are communities that weren't even counted, that, even that, that there list. was no list. So mm. how do you explain to that, uh, to both those communities that, um, A, that the economy is not growing fast enough to create resources to give everyone a house and how it's important to realize that you can't put yourself against each other. And I think that is where the politicians um, can be held accountable because they often use that struggle for resources as ways to Gone introduce ethnicism mm. yeah. into the 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 issue around how people identify themselves. Dylan, mm. we have to wrap up uh, in 10 seconds. Uh, you yeah. have you have a younger experience of this uh, is this changing? Is the experience of the colored person in South Africa uh, changing, improving? You know, the, the, the whole thing of too white, uh, too black to be white uh, in apartheid, too black to be white now. Um, are we getting to a stage where the colored person in South Africa, and, and I know I'm going contrary to, to what Karim has been teaching us about, you know, you can't call this a group thing, but let's call it your individual experience. Is your experience of being a colored person improving uh, as part of a broader tapestry of South Africa? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's improving, and I think I think with the, it's broadening, and I think it's these conversations should be happening all the time, and we haven't yet actually kind of rested on certain ideas on how to like see ourselves and how to you know talk mm. about these things. And personally, myself, I also haven't, but I think due to like new student movements, you know, even people younger than me. They're continuing these conversations. Rose must fall, fees must fall, open Stellenbosch. And this is where you're going to see this happening now. All right, we need to get out of here. This is a series. Uh, We're probably going to have to uh, get these two back uh, if they'll have us back. <laughs> no, we've got lots to talk about here. This is crazy. And I think we were just getting going, to be honest. Um, I like I like it. I like it. Karima was telling me off. And I was waiting <laughs> to tell her off as the white male in the room. You know, the only white male. <laughs> Listen, if you missed any of the of the conversation, hit us up at www.cliffcentral.com forward slash frankly speaking, and uh, you can get more from all these conversations. Jovicho, don't worry, my friend, I was backing you there. Ah, yeah, 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 don't worry, you were nowhere. She, but she would have smacked the both of us. <laughs> have a good day. Ciao, ciao. This is cliffcentral.com.